the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. That's it. Almighty God, bless our hearing of these words, and may the preaching uh, just anchor into our lives. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Um, Happy Father's Day. Um, I want to do something a little bit different before I get into the sermon, um, just to honor our dads or um, any of us who maybe we're not a dad, but we're probably like a dad to someone. So what I'd like us to do, um, I don't know if we're missing anyone or if people have run away, because um, this might include some people that scooted out. But um, what I want you to do is I want you, if your dad is here, I want you to find him, okay, and I want you to pray for him. I want you to thank him for being your dad and being a good dad, and I want you to pray for him. Um, if maybe, um, you know, you're seeing some, some guys sitting around that maybe their kids aren't here, what I'd like you to do is just find, find someone, find a man, right, and I want you to thank him. If maybe they're not a dad, but they're probably a, a good mentor to someone, so just pray. Maybe they will be in the future. Maybe they're a kid. So why don't we just pray for each other and just thank our dads for being good dads. So you guys take a a minute or two to do that, okay? (laughs) Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) Where's my dad? There he is. Okay. Thank you for doing that. I hope that um, you are encouraged um, thinking about your dad this morning, and I hope that if he's not here, you're going to find him and just show him love and show him compassion. Um, Is Victoria here? Is she not here yet? She's not here yet. Okay. Well, someone please remind me um, if she comes in a little bit late and I'm not thinking at the end of our service... Um, someone be, can someone be my brain for me? It's a hard job. Okay. <laughs> Jamie is going to be my brain for me. Remind me at the end because we want to pray for her. Victoria is going to be going back to Nigeria with her kids on um, Wednesday, I think it is. So um, let's just remember her. She's probably coming today. She's maybe just running a little bit late. She's got three kids and she's by herself. So, <laughs> so just uh, God bless her. And um, just make sure that you say goodbye to her. And um, she, their plan is to come back in the fall. So hopefully we see them soon. So um, yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that real soon. So um, today's Father's Day. And I hope that if you, have, if you have kids, that your kids just showed you some honor and some love, that you're going to spend time with them today. Um, so happy Father's Day to our dads, um, to all of you men out there who are like dads to somebody. Um, chances are you are, and you might not realize it, uh, but chances are you influence someone, even if you're not someone's biological dad. Um, I'm quite certain that you have influence over people's lives and that you have, a, um, have an impact that perhaps that you don't realize. 
So just praise God for you. You know, some of us, I think, too, this might be a hard day because maybe you lost a dad. Maybe your dad's not around anymore, and that's hard to think about. And this is a day where maybe you're grieving his loss. Um, well, we, well, friend, we grieve with you, and I want you, I want you all to know that um, we remember even people we've lost, um, and that can bring us joy, can it? It can bring us joy to remember the people that God has, has put in our lives um, and cared for us and shown us love. So yeah, we just honor them, um, those that are with us and those who are not anymore. We just completed a look at our Old Testament character, character Nehemiah, and I hope that you enjoyed that. That's actually done. That was a lot of fun, and I hope that you um, had a good time looking at his life and the events surrounding his life. I think he really does furnish um, a fine example for us, not only as men, but as followers of Jesus, of what um, Christian character looks like. Oh, they're here. Oh, that's great. Okay, pause on that Nehemiah thing. Okay. <laughs> All right, so this is probably going to embarrass her. But can you send them up here because I want to pray for them. Are they ready or should I keep preaching? <laughs> come on, yeah, come on up, Victoria. Bring up the kids. We're going to pray for you. <laughs> there they are. I'm sorry, I should have told you we were doing this. She's like, what is going on? <laughs> so you guys know them, right? This is Victoria and Wilfred and Daniela and little Ariel. Give them a round of applause. Um, and they're going to be, le on Wednesday, right? They're going to, they're going to Nigeria. They're going to see their dad. Isn't that so exciting? Did you talk to him today on Father's Day? Maybe later? Oh, okay, great, great. That's going to be a lot of fun. And like I said, their plan is to... She's like, what is that thing? Um, so their plan is to be back in the fall, so can I just pray for you guys real quick? God, thank you so much for the Jajas. We just love them. Thank you for the joy that they brought to our church. Thank you for their life, and thank you for their participation here. God, that they're family to us. I pray that you bless... Wilfred and Daniela, God, and I pray that you bless Ariel. God, help them to grow in Christ and to love Jesus throughout their lives. I pray, Lord, that you bless Victoria um, and Solomon, God, as they finally get to be reunited. Thank you so much that they're going to see their dad soon. Give them safety in their travels, God, and if it be your will, we would just delight to see them again in the fall. So just bless them, and I pray, God, that you would just help this to be a great day of just rejoicing that we got to get to know them so much better over this past year. Just bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. There you go. Yes. Oh, okay. And we have a gift for you. There you go. There's your gift. Yeah, that's a picture book. <laughs> You're welcome. So that's a book that we made for her. It's got pictures and letters from you and stuff. And Yeah, so enjoy that. <laughs> okay. All right. So, um... So yeah, this is so exciting, and I hope that you get to, um, we're going to, it's exciting, but it's sad, we're going to miss her too, so I hope that you get to just say goodbye to her, um, or see you soon um, after church, just make sure that you shake their hands and, and show them some love. But anyway, we were in the book of Nehemiah, and he really does furnish, I think, an example um, of what it means to be a man, what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. He was a man of resolve, he was a man of character, um, and I think if you just take a simple look at his life, we can get a picture of the goal of the Christian life in general. And uh, considering it's Father's Day this morning, I want to look at another Old Testament character 
Uh, before we get into our next sermon series in the book of Philippians in the New Testament, and it's going to be called Rejoice Evermore, the Joy You Always Wanted. God's will for your life is joy, if you're a Christian, a believer in Jesus. Um, overwhelming, filling joy, and it's, what a great promise that that is. Um, and if you might feel discouraged because you don't feel that joy, be encouraged because it's there for you. Um, and, it's, um, and it's waiting. And that's going to be a lot of fun to open that up and see what is the source and power of the joy that we can have as believers in Jesus Christ. But before then, uh, considering again that it's Father's Day, I'd like to look at this Old te- Testament character, um, the life of Jonah. Um, and, the char- and, and, you know, if you know anything about Jonah, he kind of receives a bad rap, doesn't he? Um, and understandably so, but I, I don't know that any one of us c- can't look at Jonah's life, if you know anything about Jonah's life, and think, yeah, I've done that a hundred times, <laughs> right? Um, we look at Jonah, we know, like, yeah, okay, this is more kind of like me. I'm, I think I'm a little less like John the Baptist, who never seemed to have a bad day, um, never seemed to waver in his faith or disobey Jesus. I think I'm a bit more like Jonah, like it takes me a while to figure things out, and I'm stubborn, and I run in the opposite direction, but God gives us another chance, and we get up and, and, and thank God for that. And, and so Jonah, I just kind of identify with the guy outside of ever being swallowed by a big fish. That's never happened to me. <laughs> so, that, so we're going to look at him today, even though he's maybe got kind of a bad, bad rap, and I think we're going to get a clearer picture of what it means to be, as, be, what it means to be a godly man. Now, I know that the question is often offered at times. You may have heard of it. What does it mean to be a man? What is masculinity? And I do know that our world challenges this question even to begin with today, that our modern world doesn't really like these kind of male-female categories. But I do believe that manhood is something in particular, um, something different from womanhood. It's not the same thing. And one, that's not to say that one is better than the other. Um, it's be, we have, uh, we're built differently and that makes us smarter or better. That's obviously ridiculous. Um, but they are nevertheless different. Um, and I don't think we need to define them by kind of like cultural cliches that we might have heard from our grandparents. You know, like, because um, th- those, those, that's not what makes a man a man and a woman a woman either. Um, I've met many fine um, women political leaders and business leaders, um, and I've also met, met very, a, a lot of men who are just gifted nurturers, so I don't think that that makes them less men. So there are some stereotypes that some, sometimes get thrown around, and that's kind of what we think of what it means to be a man or a woman. Now, that's a fascinating conversation um, and discussion as far as, uh, as, far as you know, the, the, what, what is manhood and what is womanhood and what, is, what, are, what do all those things mean? But I want to I kind of zero it in onto something a little bit more basic about Christian virtue in general that should characterize the man of God, and not just the man of God, but the woman of God, any leader, any follower of Jesus that might call themselves a follower of Jesus. It's, so it's not limited to men only, but expands to every follower of Christ. And we should notice that these qualities um, should define the, the purpose of all human beings, even though sometimes in our sin we reject it. Not just Christians, but the intention, the reason God created us was to exhibit certain virtue, certain quality. That in the created order, God has called us as human beings to a certain end. And our joy and our fullness is actually found not in resisting these things, but accepting them, believing them, 
and owning them. So God calls, has God ever called you to do something hard? <laughs> right? I only saw one hand. That is such, you guys are all lying to me right now. Yeah, okay. So God, God calls us to do some hard things in life. God called Jonah to do a really hard thing. We're going to see more about that in a moment. Sometimes he calls us to do dangerous things. Sometimes he calls us to forgive jerks, right? People who have been awful to us, people who have committed gross injustice toward us, things we don't want to do, things that maybe require a lifestyle change. Like, I need to change this behavior and do this because this is the way God has created me and honors his holiness. So sometimes God calls us to do things that are just kind of icky to us. They make us squirm a little bit. So... Oftentimes, because of this, we justify our disobedience, our separation from God, and we kind of keep him at arm's length, and we say kind of cliche things like, well, he knows my heart, and God loves everybody, and, and we justify that, those actions. In Jonah's interaction with God, though, I think we can see the kind of men, the kind of people, the kind of Christians that God's called us to be. Remember our text, very short, and if, if you've been coming here for a while, you know that that's kind of a rarity. Um, So to get only two verses for our sermon text. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Now, very simple couple of verses. And really, I just want to focus on these this morning and, and see how God has built us as human beings if we are assuming in right relationship with him. And the first thing that we notice here is this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. God created us so that we could know him. That's got to be the most fundamental principle in all the Bible. That part of what it means to be a human being is to hear God, to have God speak to us, and to not ignore that word, to not scorn that word or spurn that word, but actually have his attention, and listen to that word. So the word of God comes to us all. That is a very incredible idea, I think, in the modern world that we live in. But the, the basic message of Scripture is that God speaks to us. And he doesn't only speak in abstract ways. Like, in other words, he doesn't just speak to us in the sunset. <laughs> right? And I do believe that God does speak. The word of God actually says that God's creation actually tells a story about God. But that's kind of vague. It's kind of abstract. God doesn't just speak to us in those terms. He gets real with us. He sent his son to speak to us. He talked to us through prophets and apostles. He sent his word. So a very real, very concrete ways, God has delivered his word to us. Isn't that incredible? You're not alone. God speaks. He's there. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. And friends, the word of the Lord comes to us. God is speaking to you. Praise God. His existence and his presence isn't shrouded in mystery. It's not a guess. It's not wishful thinking. It's real. John chapter 1, verse 1, you remember this incredible words? John chapter 1 is almost modeled after Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was, right from the beginning, God is a God who has relationship with us, who reveals himself through words, through cognizant ideas. We can speak to him. 
God describes himself as word, as words. Words connect. Imagine if we couldn't communicate at all with each other. We'd, we'd, we'd have just as much of a relationship with you and I as we do with a rock or with a tree. That is not God. He's not some abstract force. He speaks to us. So words connect us in relationship, don't they? I think that you know that. They announce our presence. They establish a relationship. They communicate for love and for explanation, for desire. All of these things that words do, they communicate. So the word of the Lord comes to Jonah, and that word comes to us. God isn't silent. He speaks. No matter how alone you think you might be, and no matter how far or distant God might seem, he is there and he speaks to you as a loving father speaks to his little boy. Isn't that great news? The word of the Lord comes to Jonah. The word of the Lord comes to us. And like Jonah, we have to do something with that word. We can be either disconnected from it, ignore it, or pay attention to it. When God speaks to us, he doesn't just talk to us, but the words that God speaks to us actually define us. They actually explain to us who we are. They explain us. They define us. They direct us. Because God isn't just a speaking person. He is our maker. So when God speaks to us, it defines our purpose and direction. It shows us who we are, what we're supposed to be doing. You see what I mean? So when God speaks to us, what does he say? What does he speak to us? Arise, go, and call. That's what we see. Arise, Jonah, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah, son of Amittai. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evils have come against me. If you're a human being today, raise your hand if you're a human being. Okay. So thank you. <laughs> We're all human beings. If you're human beings, God created you for this purpose. Now, sin might have defunct the whole thing and you're not participating in it. And the solution for you is to repent of your sin and come by faith to Jesus Christ who died for it and rose again for you. But that's going to plug you back into the reason God made you. Isn't that great that this morning you're going to get a window, a picture, into the reason God made you in the first place? He made us to arise, to go, and to call. Let me explain to you what this means. So let's, let's look at the first one, arise. When God's word comes to Jonah, the first thing it says to him is to arise. And when, God comes, God's word come, when God speaks to us and we realize it for the first time, our first duty as human beings created in his image is to arise in his presence. And let me explain to you what I mean. What God is saying to Jonah at, at this moment, Jonah, arise, he's basically saying, Jonah, I'm in the room now. I'm here. Listen to me. Nothing is more important. Put down your toy boat. <laughs> right? Put down your hammer and your saw because God's in the room. You see, when God's in the room, he should have our attention, shouldn't he? So our first duty as human beings created in the image of God is to give it to him. To not give it to everything else but him. You see what I mean? We need to arise. We need to stand at attention in the presence of God because our creator, our maker has shown up and he's speaking to us. And friends, he's speaking to you now. So we need to ask ourselves a little diagnostic question. 
Is there anything else that robs us from God's attention when he's in the room? And could I suggest to you that that's your God? That you have a false God and you worship something made in the image of man and it's not God himself. Whatever gets your attention most is your God and you need to smash it because God's better, (laughs) right? So, arise, go and call. So God's word comes to us. This is our posture. We need to stand at attention. We need to recognize that he's in the room and nothing is more important than him. To let go of the things that we hold so dear and realize that there's a greater purpose for you than your work or, that, or, or even your husband or your wife. So to arise implies that we're not to be disconnected from God when he's here. As if he created you for some other purpose besides your love for him and his love for you. God did not create you for marriage. He did not create you for work. Those are great gifts that he's given to us that speak to us more about who he is and who we are. But ultimately, he created us for relationship with him. So, if we confuse that, we actually commit the sin of Satan. Romans chapter 1, verses 28, verse 28 says, They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is praised forever, amen. They arose in the presence of something besides God. They gave it its devotion and attention. You see? The created thing. So in Romans chapter 1, that's where that was taken from, God's existence and power is plain to all humanity, but sin believes this lie of Satan that we don't need to obey God, We don't need to arise in his presence to prioritize his reign and rule. As as a matter of fact, if we disobey God, we'll actually be like him. You remember that's the lie of Satan in the book of Genesis chapter 3. But the arisen heart towards God realizes that this is a lie, that it's futile, that it's not true, that he made us for his glory and for his good and for wonderful pleasure, that he is our ultimate purpose. Oh, praise God. Listen, that doesn't mean we don't grieve when we lose and when things fall apart. But if our ultimate purpose is God and God never changes and God promises us a guarantee that cannot be shaken by anything, then our relationship with him is secure and can't be touched. Oh, praise God. He is our ultimate purpose. This is going to naturally produce in us just a human, like, just a drive, a thirst for the affection and connection of your heavenly, with your heavenly Father. And we arise. We arise in his presence. We arise when he shows up. When he speaks, we give him our ear. It's almost like the apostles. You remember, Jesus shows up. They're all fishing. And Jesus says, follow me. And they put their nets down. And they followed him. You see, the man of God knows how to put his nets down. They know what's first the first thing that's first. So we arise because no created thing, no created thing should compete with your affection for the Father. Now, I imagine that when God came to Jonah, you know, I'm just kind of using my imagination here, but Jonah's probably at home in his easy chair. He's probably got a nice job, a wife, a couple of kids, a dog, 
you know, spends Thanksgiving with the family and buys his kids gifts at Christmas. And, you know, they go on lovely vacations every year to the Sea of Galilee or something. <laughs> and Sunday, oh, Sunday's the best because on Sunday they get to watch football and drink beer, <laughs> right, and see friends. All these wonderful things that they probably did in Israel 2,000 years ago. <laughs> More than that. So this is all he knows. This is his life, the rhythm of his life. And then God shows up. How many people have just kind of had your life just kind of going on with all your things and your trinkets, and then God shows up? And you know everything's going to be different. <laughs> Everything, everything's changing. Jonah hears, arise. Jonah. I, I can remember very clearly in my life, and I know some, for some people it's hard to kind of pinpoint this, but I can remember very clearly in my life when God um, came to me for the first time and said, Kyle. And just, just that moment I was like, okay, everything's different now. The people I hang out with, the way that I talk, the way that I dress, I can't listen to Dr. Dre anymore. You know, like everything changes. It goes in the trash. <laughs> I know, like when I, heard, when I heard Kyle for the first time, Kyle, arise, I'm here. It's like, okay, you're more beautiful than all of this. And it was a joy to do it. I wasn't like, oh, I'm sorry, Biggie Smalls. I will miss thee. You know, like I, it, wasn't, it wasn't a problem for me. <laughs> Because God's glorious presence showed up. His word came to me. And it was so much, I, I, I finally, for the first time, realized who I was and who he was. So the change was a joy. It was a pleasure. Um, there's a really great um, Bible study that we're doing on Wednesday nights. We have Bible study and prayer right in here on Wednesday nights. And um, it's, it's um, called Life on Mission. And the way that... Um, God is described. I thought this was, I wanted to kind of borrow this illustration from it. But the way that, um, that God is described in, in this, this series, as I think it was in um, uh, video three, they talked about him becoming our overarching positive passion. Let me explain to you the illustra- with, what that means with the illustration that he actually gave. I think it's really wonderful and helpful. Imagine um, two separate rooms, and some of you, I apologize because you do this Bible study with us, so you heard this already, but imagine two separate rooms, okay? In one room, I grab one of you and I say, all right, I want, I want you to go into this room and I want you to put together widgets for one year, you know, so little trinkets and this end goes on to that end and that end goes on to that end, done, and now go to the next one. You're putting together widgets. You can do that for one year. At the end of the year, I'm going to give you $10,000, Okay? Eh, not big money, all right, whatever, it's a job, <laughs> right? But imagine in, a, in another room, I take another person, and I give him the same job. I want you to put together these widgets, right? This end goes on this end, and this end goes on that end. But at the end of the year, for the second person, I say, I'm going to give you $10 million. You can imagine um, <laughs> person A with the 10000 they're probably going to get bored fast, don't you think? They're maybe going to get grumpy. They're going to show up late, take a lot of sick days. Maybe they're going to quit midway through because, you know, McDonald's is offering them a job. <laughs> and it pays a little better. Right? But person B. Oh, imagine if you're person B. $10 million to put. You're going you're gonna to have a skip in your step, aren't you? 
you're going to come to work every day with a big, giant smile. And not only that, <clears throat> you're going to love the work. You're not going to hate it. You're going to love that you're going to put those widgets together with all your heart and soul. You see, because there is a greater overarching positive passion that gives you what you need to get through. Because there's something beyond. There's a treasure valuable that is given to you at the end. Do you see what I mean? And friends, Jesus is the overarching positive passion. You see, when we see him, when we arise in his presence for the first time, we realize that the widgets that we've been putting together all our lives aren't the point to our lives. That he is. He's the overarching positive passion. So we're able to endure suffering. We're able to endure the monotony of life, the, the, the mundane. And if you really believe the gospel, that we will exist with Jesus forever in a place where God's love reigns supreme, where the lion lies with the lamb, you if you really believe that, that you'll be at God's right hand where there are pleasures forevermore, you're going to put those widgets together, the widget of your life together with a big smile on your face. You see, I hope that when God shows up in your life, that you arise and that you see that. The second thing, the second imperative, we go. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, arise and go. You know, God created you to go. <laughs> Let me explain to you what I mean. Before there was any sin, by the way, you see, he was going to Nineveh, right, to call out wickedness. But before any sin even existed, God called Adam and Eve in a perfect world without sin to be goers. <clears throat> Adam and Eve were meant to see God as their source, as their purpose, their identity. They were created so that God were be, would be their overarching positive passion to arise in his presence. And if God was their ultimate purpose and source of life, this would have to mean that they were built to be goers. Remember their, you know, quote, call of duty in Genesis chapter 1. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, and fill the earth. Subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea. They, so in other words, they were to reproduce and they were to go into the ends of the earth. They weren't to consider even their relationships with their kids as more valuable than going wherever God might tell them to go. And if Jesus is your overarching positive passion, you're going to do that. You're going to go no matter where that going might lead you. It might lead you away from friends and family. It might mean that you have to tell someone about the gospel and you know they might not respond to it well. You see, in our going, there's always a sacrificing. There's always a leaving. Isn't that kind of implied? When we go, we're leaving something else. But if what we're going to is better than what we're leaving, then we'll be able to do it more easily. That's why, by the way, in Scripture it says, your love for God is almost like hate for your parents. And if you, you know, that's hard to understand. If you love me, you'll, you remember Jesus said this is one of those hard sayings of the Bible. If you love me, you'll hate your father and mother. And we, we trip over that and find that. But what he means is, how, son, how could you move? Your whole family 
halfway across the world and leave us. You see, it seems like hate. Your love for Jesus sometimes comes across to people who are dear to you as hate when you don't hate them at all. You see, you see what I mean? But when we go, we always have to leave something. We leave something behind. And sometimes when we leave that behind, it's very difficult. It means change. It means sacrifice. God didn't go to Jonah and said, Jonah, arise, I'm here. Now, you know, go take a nap. Get another beer. He didn't say that. He didn't say, arise, play yourself another round of golf. Right? He, he asked him to do something very challenging. That if, if God wasn't his overarching positive passion, he probably wouldn't have done it. And by the way, he didn't do it. <laughs> if you know anything about Jonah, he ran in the other direction. You're going to need to go away from sin. At times, you're going to need to go from homes, from families. But when God calls us and we're his, it almost expects that he's our primary devotion, that we're going to go wherever he leads and be willing no matter what the cost. And God commands all of us without exception to arise and to go. And it requires, it's just going to require that we hold our gifts loosely, the good gifts that God gives to us, we've got to hold them loosely, and that his creation doesn't become what we worship because we'll never go anywhere if that's the case. So our power for obedience is grounded in that simple obedience, uh, that simple principle. The man of God goes where God's lead, where God leads, even when the cost is high. So godly men, godly Christians, godly women, stand arisen, focused on the presence of God and obey him no matter what the cost and go no matter where he calls. And finally, the man of God calls. The man of God calls. Jonah, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. God has given us the duty as his creation in his image to call, to herald, to declare something about him. And this is also true that even before, I know in our context, he's telling Jonah, call out sin in Nineveh. But the reality is, even before sin entered the world, God called us to be his herald to the rest of creation. To be heralds of who God is. To created things. To rule over it, right, in Genesis 1. In Scripture, even, I mentioned this before, even inanimate objects call out the splendor of God. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, pour forth speech. You see, the inanimate creation is calling out to the rest of the world that God is glorious and wonderful. And friends, as people created his image, that's what he built us for. To give him glory and to praise, to talk about him. To make him known to others to people around us, to friends and family. Genesis reminds us in chapter 1 that humankind is created in the image of God. So creation sees God. You're made in the image of God, the image of God. In other words, we're supposed to look like God to the rest of creation. We're supposed to tell creation a story of what God is like. Does that make sense? God made you to do that. God made you to imitate him, 
to look like him. And that's our job in this world as his priests and kings on earth. So we're meant to be his spokesmen, callers, tellers of who he is. Psalm 71, verse 17. Oh God, from my youth you have taught me and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. In Exodus chapter 9, but for this purpose, hear this, I mean, purpose, right? Why did God call us to salvation? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, here it is. But for this purpose, I have raised you up to show you my power so that my name might be proclaimed to the ends of the earth. You see, God has saved you to be a caller, to call out. You know, sometimes that's negative, calling out sin, but quite often it's positive, isn't it? Declaring his love and power and justice and holiness. Positive proclaiming, I think, is a little bit easier than negative proclaiming. Jonah was to call out Nineveh for its sin. And also, isn't it more difficult for us to confront people at times with their sin? To tell them, you, I, like you, am sinners before a holy God. And Jesus Christ died for that sin. So sinners like you could um, um, be forgiven of that. That's harder. It's more confrontational. So oftentimes, I just want to talk about how good and kind and loving God is. I don't want to talk about that stuff. But Jonas told Go to Nineveh, call them out for, the, for their sin. I want you to kind of know a little bit about Jonah's problem with this. You guys have all heard the story of Jonah, maybe. You're going to know if you keep reading that he says, no way. He gets on a boat and goes in the opposite direction. He goes to Spain, right? So he's here, Nineveh's here, and Jonah goes there, <laughs> right? Okay, God, where? Nineveh? Okay, bye. <laughs> I'm out of here, right? So th- this is what he does. But you say, well, Jonah... You know, so disobedient. I, you know, like, he should trust God and have faith and follow him anywhere, just like the preacher's saying right now. Uh, that's what I would have done. I want you to consider um, the, the challenge. In jo- consider Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, prophesied in Scripture to conquer most of the known world. And they did, and Israel included. They were infamous for their cruelty. One commentator writes this, This was found, these inscriptions were found on the ruins, so we have these to this day, the ruins of Assyria, Assyrian ruins. Quote, I cut off their heads and formed them into pillars. Bubu, son of Buba, I flayed in the city of Arbella, that means he skinned him alive, and I spread his skin upon the city wall. I flayed all the chief men who had revolted. I covered the pillar with their skins. Many within the border of my land I flayed and I spread their skins upon the walls. These guys skinned people alive for fun, for sport. I cut off their limbs of the officers, the royal officers who had rebelled. 3,000 captives I burned alive. Their corpses I formed into pillars. From From sun I cut off their hands and their fingers, and from other I cut off their noses, their ears, and their fingers, and put out their eyes. These are the Ninevites. Jonah, arise, go, and call the Ninevites, for their evil deeds have risen up against me. Off to Spain I go. I made one pillar of the living, another of heads. 
I bound their heads to posts round about the city. Great evil. Right? I mean, these people were probably of the most violent sort that we know nothing about even to this day. And Jonah is called to them, to go to them and to tell them that they're sinners and that they need to repent or God's justice would fall on them. And Jonah, you want to know what's interesting about the story of Jonah? Jonah, one of the reasons he doesn't want to do this is not only is he afraid for his life, but he's afraid that they'll actually repent, that they'll actually understand their sin before God, Jonah knows that the mercy of God is so powerful that God might end up forgiving them. And you know what Scripture says in the New Testament? That at the preaching of Jonah, an entire city repented of its sins. That's exactly what happened. Isn't that amazing? So God calls us to call, to call out who he is and our great need for him. And friends, people who are disgustingly evil according to us and maybe average sinners like you and I need God's rescue. And God has saved us for this purpose. To speak the words of the gospel to people who are dying and lost. To speak it to ourselves. Because God will be merciful the moment we trust in Christ. In spite of the danger, in spite of the risk, in spite of the potential ridicule Jesus' followers might face, we need to love our God more than that. We need to love others more than that. Our love for others and God himself needs to be outweighed by the danger of what might be the consequences of our calling out who he is. Amen? So we read the rest of Jonah and understand that (laughs) he struggled with this and we struggle with it too. But friends, isn't it great that in this description of a man of character, godly man, we have Jesus perfectly. That Jesus Christ arose and came to this earth and called us out. It cost him his life, but he called out the message of the gospel, never wavered, and because of that, we can be saved and delivered and be little Jesuses on this earth. So let's rise up in his presence. Let's go where he leads, and let's speak of his splendor. Amen? Let's pray. God, we give you great praise for who you are. We thank you that Jesus Christ knows who you are, that when you spoke, he arose, and that he came to this earth. He went on a rescue mission that he called the the message of the gospel to the ends of the earth, and that he speaks it even to this day to us. And God, I pray, Lord, that as Christians, you would heal us, repair us, help us to remember why you've built us and why you've made us. I pray that your word would arise in our hearts, that we would stand in your presence, and that we would put down our toys and follow you. Help us to be dads like this. Help us to be men like this. Help us to be moms like this, women like this, leaders like this, workers, members of churches. Help us to arise, go, and call. In Christ's name, amen.